Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode number 13 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. If you're feeling stuck, you may be on the verge of your next great beginning. We're going to talk about how to get yourself or a friend unstuck in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. This is the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, welcome to Lucky Episode 13. This is Larry Gates and, and Armin Asadi. Armin Asadi. How are you, Armin? Good. How are you, Larry? Well, I'm doing really well. Kind of looking forward to getting in on this this little episode. How was your week? It was good. Very busy. Little little drain. Little training. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm good. Yeah. All right. Very fulfilling week. Yeah. That's good, and I did too. And I, although I've had my uh, my ups and downs this week, there have been days when I felt like I didn't get as much done as I would like. Yeah, I remember you calling me and telling me you had that off day. That's what you call it. Yeah, that was and weird I, to hear from you. You know, it's kind of like you get to the middle of the day, and then you say, mm, "Maybe I should call this a vacation day." <laughs> 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 so I'm taking the rest of the day off because. The first part of it just didn't go the way I planned, yeah. so I gave myself a break day. I have one of those a week, so <laughs> at least it happens rarely for you. Right. Well, I wouldn't say rarely, but uh, <laughs> you know, I would say that um, when it does happen, sometimes you have to just take those days and say, it's just going to be a goofy day today, or just going to yep. say, we'll come at that a little stronger, a little harder tomorrow. <laughs> Indeed. I agree. Hey, you know, last week we had, a, I think, a pretty good episode, number 12, where we talked about the three signs to know that you're stuck. Yep. And, uh, you know, of course, if you are stuck, certainly you might identify with some of those three signs, but you'd also perhaps uh, wonder, well, what do I do next? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? That's what I want to know. And that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. You ready for this? I am. I think, I think it's going to be great. Well, just a re- recap. Episode number 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what were those three signs that we talked about? So there was three signs that we talked about, about a way for you to assess yourself to at least know um, that you are stuck before you take the next step. So one, uh, direction is less certain. Number two, resist the next step. And number three, you're over-functioning. Three great, simple, easy ways to know that you are stuck. And yeah. if you can know that you're stuck, then you know that there's a next step to come after that. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to that episode, you'll find it at reinventure.me slash 12 or 1-2. That'll get you right to the show and the show notes. You know, basically, if you don't know where you're going, or at least you, it feels like your future is less certain, or if you find that you're just not even willing to work on your future, or you're overworking your future, those right. are three good ways to know that you're stuck. So now, I'm stuck. What do I do? Yeah, what do you do if you're <laughs> stuck? It's always a good question to ask. Yeah. Well, first thing is just don't panic because uh, the evidence of being stuck, at least your awareness that you're stuck and that desire to not be stuck is evidence 
that you're in a state of a transition to a new beginning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's uh, something we all go through. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, every season you're bound to get stuck at some point. Yeah. There was a time a number of years ago in my own business that I was stuck. Hmm. I didn't like it, you know, and I wrote a blog post on when it's time to fire yourself. Oh, you yeah, know, I remember that. And it's when it's when you are running your own business and you don't like it and yeah. you feel stuck. That's yeah. like a, a, a metaphysical problem because <laughs> now it's not just the boss, right. it's yourself. Right. You know, you are the boss that you can complain about, right. you know. And so I had to fire myself on a number of occasions and it isn't fun being stuck. Right. You know, you feel a little bit out of place. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else has their life neatly figured out. Right. And that's one of the real challenges when you're stuck. It feels often that other people are going somewhere. They've got their life figured out and that there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And there are those people that just never seem to get stuck. That then those are the uh they bother me a little bit, but they're some of my very close close friends. And those are the ones I always say, why don't you help somebody not be stuck? Yeah, and I suppose <laughs> it's possible to go through life and not have that kind of stuck transitions period. Mm-hmm. But I don't think many people do. No, that's why it I think me. if they haven't been stuck, <laughs> they will. Oh, it's yeah. coming. You know? I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so maybe you don't feel stuck today, but it, it might be that there's a time that you are. Right. And certainly, you might know a number of your friends who are. Mm-hmm. You know, And Armin, you mentioned the other day that you have a lot of very ambitious friends. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's really hard charging. and Yeah, they want to you know, take over the world or land on the moon or something you know that doesn't surprise me because jim Rohn said you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with you know and so i'm guessing (laughs) um that you you add actually add to their average you know because you're pretty driven and uh, ambitious they're all like that i would yeah they're all just uh, i mean every single one of them will bleed to get where they were trying to go yeah yeah and at some point in time it doesn't matter how much ambition you have there comes a time when the gas in the tank is spent Mm -hmm. and you just don't know what to do when you're going next so the first uh, uh, advice here is just that that's normal yeah you know and if you're if you are stuck or you know someone who's stuck especially if you know someone who's stuck don't criticize them for it right and if you are stuck don't criticize yourself for it right in this episode we want to address not only if you're stuck but if you have a friend who's stuck we want to give you some suggestions on how to help them too right and i would add just one thing to that Mm -hmm. that it's not only normal but it's both normal and temporary so back to the point of not panicking it's not a permanent thing that it's just it's a normal state of affairs and it's a temporary state of affairs and it will change yeah as the saying goes this too shall pass. <laughs> Indeed. Right on. <laughs> right. So we want to suggest that there's four things you need to look at if you're stuck. So let's just assume that you are uncertain about life, hmm. its direction. You're not sure why you're here. You're feeling out of place. You're feeling displaced. You're feeling like everybody else has things sorted out. You don't. Something is broken. You just can't get your handle on what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, the easiest first thing to take a look at is your physical condition. Mm. I'm not talking about the shape of your body, whether you're (laughs) overweight and all the rest. 
you know, because people say, well, what, what's your physical condition? And I generally say it's getting more and more round, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't a good thing, you know. <laughs> no, but just the, the three basic things that you can take a look at, and we don't want to devote the whole episode to this, is but are you getting enough rest? That's you huge. Know? It is huge. The times where I've felt the most misplaced has been born out of fatigue. You're just working too hard. And when you do so, you don't have the time to rejuvenate. Yeah. You can only spend the gas that's in the tank. If you don't put more in, mm-hmm. there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the car sputters. You end yourself on the side of the road. All the other cars are passing by, and you're wondering, why am I stuck right. on the side of the road? Well, yeah. it's a very simple thing. You didn't stop at a gas station to right. fill up. Exactly. So rest is a natural way for us to fill up, but oftentimes we shortchange ourselves. We drive to the gas station. We put a dollar's worth of gas in the car, and we expect to go, yeah. uh, how many miles can you get on a buck now? Not many. Right. Right? Yeah. So we don't get enough rest. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, exercise is one of those clears the valves of the engine, you know, to follow that metaphor, it keeps the gunk from building up inside and mm-hmm. keeps the engine from working well. And of course, diet is the other good thing that we need to look at. If we fuel ourselves on carbohydrates and we run on sugar, we're going to crash. Right. We have to have good proteins and we have to have good fats. And if we just live a carbohydrate diet, which I am inclined to do. I am a huge bread guy. I am too. I'm a huge ice cream guy. Yeah, I am too. You know? <laughs> and I love cookies. Yep. So those are bad, the, the, you know, the three major food groups, bread, but ice so cream, good. and cookies. Bad, but so good. <laughs> it is. But, you know, I will tend toward not exercising, running myself short of sleep, and eating the three major food groups of ice cream, bread, and cookies. That sounds like my <laughs> last two and a half days. <laughs> you know? And that is a recipe for getting stuck. That's a recipe for finding your car it is. sitting on the side of the highway it while is. everybody else is passing by. Which is, I, I'm glad you're saying that because, I, I mean, li- literally that has been my last two and a half days, and I cannot imagine if I had to work today leading my team, going on with the company expansion stuff that I'm involved with right now, I would I would be worthless. I couldn't, I, I mean, my brain would not be able to function enough to even guide my team well enough. Yeah, you might even be worse than worthless. You might actually be a detriment yeah, to your team. Absolutely, yeah, I could lead them astray. I found that when I'm fatigued, when I'm spent, I am more irritable. Oh my gosh. I am not a fun person to be around. At all, yeah. You know. Well, no, I, I wasn't saying at all about you. Sorry. Yeah. About no, no. I, <laughs> no, I get it. Even if you did say it about me, you know. You know, Anna, my wife, says I can always tell when you're running too much on the edge here because the first thing you lose is your sense of humor. Yeah, my wife says the same thing. And I only married her because she thought I had one. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, The second thing is your environment. Now, this may sound weird to some people, but it's it's very much true. Um, For example, if you have, just because you've been so busy and you've been running so fast and you've been stuck because of how overwhelmed you are, a lot of times the first things to start going is the organization around your house or your room or your desk Mm -hmm. or your office. And as soon as that starts to happen, you don't really know that it's causing the stress and anxiety that's inside you, which is actually feeding you to continue to be stuck. But that is something that if you can be aware of it, 
and you can start changing it even a little bit at a time, even if it's, say, the smallest area that you have to work with is your desk, that you can come in for half an hour each day for this week, and by the end of the week, have your desk cleaned up. The first day you come back to work, that next Monday, you'll have a different feeling. I guarantee it. Yeah, You're going to look around and... you'll be able to just breathe a sigh of relief Mm -hmm. because you'll notice that something has changed. Something has changed for the better, that is, and that there's room to grow, there's room to change. And I love that aspect of it. Yeah, and we have to check our environment as a next good step because all that clutter uh, is not only distracting, but it makes you feel like there's too many undone things in your life. Right. And when you see clutter, it looks like that's just another thing I'm stuck in. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have to go and do a purge in my office every once in a while, get rid of file folders and things. And I, it's amazing what a clean desk, just how it makes me feel. It is. Yeah. It is. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I can conquer a, the world right? because I've got a clean desk. Yeah, I can take on a new client. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> and the same is true with your inbox, right, and your yeah. email. Oh, my gosh. You had me do that. So yeah. you, you looked at my phone and saw there's 4,000 some odd emails that had a panic attack <laughs> yeah. and said, I mean... <laughs> we need you to change this. Yeah. Well, you know, when anytime we have, and I've, I, I have too many mail messages in my inbox as well. I have kind of a habit of keeping only things in my inbox that I have something to do with, which right. creates a problem when you have too many messages there. Yep, exactly. You know, because it's always telling you you're behind, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not exactly a zero inbox email aficionado, and I know a number of people are, but there are times where I have declared what's called email bankruptcy, you know, where you basically (laughs) just copy all the messages in your inbox and you stick them into another folder. Or if you're really brave, just delete them all together. Oh, I didn't do that. I put I I created an old emails folder Uh and I added all of them and then put all of them in the old emails folder. Yeah. And what I found is I still have some of those folders. I've never had to go back and look at them. Those that are most urgent or critical come back at you anyway. Yep. yep. And the rest, you just have to leave them and (sighs) just have a fresh start. Sometimes that environment change alone can help you feel better about yourself, can make you feel like you're less stuck, less overwhelmed, less less able to do things. Yeah, full inbox always makes you think that there's thousands of things you forgot to do, a thousand things that you still need to do, a thousand things that you failed on and... All of a sudden, you feel like there's nothing you can do to catch up, so you think you're stuck. Yeah. Reality, you're not. So take a look at your environment, and if you find some things in your environment that look cluttered, even the act of cleaning that up can help you get unstuck and get going again. Sometimes it might mean you need to even take a more drastic situation. My sister out in Colorado Hmm. felt stuck in her life, and then she, realizing she's in a an older house in an older neighborhood in a place that makes her feel a little less vital. Hmm. You know, it just wasn't an inspiring place to live. Hmm. So she sold her home. Oh, wow. And she moved about 45 minutes south to a more modern neighborhood where there's more energetic people around. Wow. And in a house that makes her feel better about herself, makes her feel like she's able to accomplish more. Hmm. And she got unstuck by making a very dramatic change just to say, hey, I'm going to um, move into a new place. I'm going to see what that's like. And it made her feel better about herself, not because she spent money, yeah. but because it created an environment that was more reflective of the kind of person and aspirations that she has in mind for herself. Huh. So 
you know, sometimes a more drastic change is in order just to help get unstuck as well. So look at your environment. Yeah. Uh, the third thing that we need to look at if we're stuck is our mental condition. And in particular, the thought habits that we have. What do we find ourselves habitually thinking about? Hmm. And my friend Patrick Morley wrote this in one of his books. The greatest ally of mediocrity is habitual thinking. It's not our critical, creative, or careful thinking that spawns mediocrity. It's our habitual thinking. It's the things that we habitually think about over and over and over again. And because they're habits, we may not be aware of them. Yeah, which is why journaling that you've picked up and I've done for a little while has been really helpful to identify some of those uh, habitual thoughts. Yeah. Now, when uh, Patrick writes about uh, critical thinking here, I don't think he's writing about being maliciously critical towards others. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's thinking about the kind of thinking that examines something in a critical right. way. But part of the habitual thinking patterns that I found when I've been most stuck has been when I'm actually critical in a deteriorating way toward others, you know, when I'm right. critical in a, in a malicious way. And it often happens, I don't know if, if you've had this experience, Armin, but when I feel stuck and all those cars are going down the side of the road, you know, right. I can feel pretty envious of others when I see them doing well. Yeah. And that is a telltale sign that there's something wrong with me. You know, the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And often it's easier to do the weeping with those who weep than the rejoicing with those who rejoice because we go, why didn't I get that? Why didn't that happen to me? How is it that they're able to be so successful? And I'm here broken down on the side of the road. Who's going to attend to to my needs? Yep. And then we always think it's... They got it easily or something like that. Yeah. It's just like, ah, that's not true. We only see the highlights of people's lives. We never see the struggle or the internal turmoil that they might be going through. Right. And yet it's so easy to cast stones and aspirations at others. So Mm -hmm. if you find yourself dealing with envy, finding that that's an emotion that keeps coming up, it may be one of those signs that your mental conditions, your habit of thought is out of line. I wrote a blog post on my website called Has Excellence Got You Down? Hmm. Addressing this very thing, uh, hmm. only from my own introspection. you know. And the remedy for that, when you see envy in somebody else, it, it becomes habitual and that it's not just one person, it's everybody. Everybody is passing where I'm at right. and I hate those people. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish they'd all fall down, you know? <laughs> And you can see this in, at work in the world. People are often critical of those who make celebrity status or whatever. They've not accomplished or will set out to try to accomplish the things that a celebrity might have accomplished, yet they'll find themselves so easily critical mm-hmm. of them. You know, we're all armchair quarterbacks when it comes to looking at somebody else's play. Right. But one of the ways, in fact, I'm convinced really the only way to overcome that kind of envy is to practice gratitude. Hmm. And to work on that on a regular basis. And that's the habit of thought that we need to continually instill, is in my practice and gratitude. Hmm. Yeah, it's ironic. Uh, One of the things that came about with journaling for me, Mm -hmm. this wasn't intentional. I didn't put thought into it. It wasn't conscious. It wasn't strategic. It wasn't anything like that. But after you got me to start journaling, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know how this happened, but at the end of my journal, I just right away started thanking God for the good yes. things that happened today. Yes. And then I got about four or five in 
and I, and it clicked or dawned on me that I'm doing something repetitive mm-hmm. every single time I journal. I went back to the first entry all the way to the fifth entry, and I realized every single one, for whatever reason, no idea why, I just started doing the Lord, I thank you for X, Y, Z, and A, B, C, and and that that was one of the things I realized that was making journaling so effective for me is every single night I didn't end with anxiety, I didn't end with what's left to do, what didn't I finish today? I ended it just because of journaling. What I was so grateful for that day, and it changed so much mentally, spiritually, emotionally for me. And you know, excellent example. I mean, that is exactly practicing a habit and 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 practicing the habit of yeah. gratitude. I end all my journal entries similarly. I end it with Psalm eighteen one. I love you, O Lord, my strength, hmm. and that is how I end most of my. Uh, journal entries with that. Just I want to reaffirm that commitment to him and also to acknowledge that he is my source. Wow. I love you, O Lord, my strength. It's just such a simple verse and so powerful to me. And then in this whole area of uh, checking our mental condition, not only do we need to practice gratitude, but the other habit of thought we need to practice is intentional forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting older, I'm taking these supplements to help me improve my memory recall as well as working on some memory games on my iPad. But there is forgetfulness that we should have intentionally. And the Apostle Paul wrote about this in Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 13. He said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that's an interesting way for him to write this. It's one thing, but it's two parts. Mm -hmm. It's forgetting what's behind and straining forward to what's ahead. If we're going to embrace our next great beginning, we need to cultivate the mental habit of forgetting the past. That's right. Because the past is not going to help me. All the things that were bad in the past are not going to help me achieve what I need to achieve in the future. Yeah. And they're back there. Remembering them will just add stuff for me to carry and will keep me stuck because my load is too great. Right. It's that What's that old saying? They always say, it's hard to put the pedal to the metal and try to drive your life forward when all you're doing is looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah, right. And there's a reason the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield, right? Right. Yes, because yeah. you know it's in proportion to how much time we should spend looking in it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, speaking of looking in it, our last condition that we should check is our vision equipment, and we should take a look and see how well can we see the future for ourselves. So we need to look at four things: our physical condition our rest, exercise, diet, our environment, declutter our environment, think about our habits of thought and our mental condition. And then fourth is create a vision. And how do we create a vision or cultivate a vision for our future? Well, we're going to talk about that in our next episode. Absolutely. I I think that requires a whole episode in itself just because uh, creating your own vision isn't something uh, or a personal vision isn't something that just speaks to getting unstuck. There's a multitude of aspects or positive aspects of creating your own personal vision. I remember you tried to have me do that, but it was a personal mission. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of had a vision, but when, it, when I tried to make it a mission, 
I, f- I fell apart. I got stuck. I couldn't do anything. But then I realized my vision just sounded good, but it really wasn't my real vision for it. But it does so much when you process what your long term looks like and how you're going to get there. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I'm glad that we're dedicating a whole episode to this. Yeah, we'll do that in our next episode. We'll, we won't be able to map out what your vision is. Right. But we'll talk about how to cultivate mm-hmm. a way of seeing vision for your life. And right. that's, uh, that's worth a habit in and of itself to look at. Yeah. Now we promised we'd spend a little time on helping a friend get stuck. Yes. And uh, so, um, not here, get stuck. Uh, <laughs> get unstuck. You're right. How we can help a friend get unstuck. There we go. All right. Yeah. So I think it's, it can be boiled down to a very simple thing that we can keep in mind here. Be fully relational. Now that, that sounds all very simple, right? right. What do I mean by that? <laughs> you already know what it's like hopefully to have some sense of of what a healthy family system should look like if you haven't had one in your own home you certainly would know what a healthy family system ought to look like right what a mom ought to look like what a dad ought to look like what a brother or sister ought to look like right and if you think about helping your friend who's stuck and you just say how can i live out each of those roles for my friend how could i be a mother to my friend? How could I be a father to my friend? How could I be a brother to my friend? Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds a little bit strange. Hang with me here for a second, right? Because mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul in First Thessalonians chapter 2 described himself, interestingly, if you read through that, you'll see that he described himself as a mother amongst them who loved them so much. Mm-hmm. Now, what do mothers do? They're nurturers. And they, lo- they love, right? Yeah. That you, you go to mom for love. Yep. You know, that you can guarantee you're going to get love for mom, yep. or at least in a healthy family, you will. And they are the symbol. Moms are God's way of saying, this is my sacrificial affection for you. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to love you mm-hmm. forever. That's what God does. Yeah. And he brings moms in the world to show us that side of him, that I'm going to love you forever. So when we help our friend who's stuck, that means we're willing to listen with acceptance. We're willing to get messy with them, you know, to help them clean up their scrapes and bruises and right. and say, hey, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I love you. I'm going to see you through this, mm-hmm. right? Dads, on the other hand, are the ones that say, get back out there. I know yeah. you skinned your knee, yeah. but you've got to get back out there. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul said he lived among them as a father exhorting them hmm. to live a life worthy hmm. of God's calling. And that's what a father does. A father gives purpose, mm-hmm. says, reminds you, hey, you're the one to lead this. You've got to go out there. The world needs you. Mm-hmm. And fathers are always the one casting forth the purposes of a person's life. And so to be a friend like a father says, we're going to ask them forward-looking and assumptive questions. Hmm. And assumptive question means you're assuming the best for them. Hmm. And I like what Gordon MacDonald refers to it as vital optimism. And he says this, vital optimism describes a quality of spirit possessed by a community or person where there is a persuasion that the best is yet to be. Whatever the past, the future will be better. Hmm. Now, if we have vital optimism toward our friend, that the future is going to be better than their past, Mm -hmm. then we have acted like a father toward them. 
Yep, just letting them know the best is yet to come. That best is yet to come. And how often do we think about our relationships and say, am I mothering them in the way of showing God's love? Am I fathering them in the way of reminding them the best is yet to come? Mm-hmm. And then am I brothering them mm-hmm. you know, or sistering them yeah. in the sense that you're staying engaged? Yeah, Brothers are a symbol of God's abiding presence. They had their accountability. Yeah. They've got each other's back. They yeah. follow the Marine code, no man left behind. Right. They are going to stay mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And so very simple to say, if you just think about your friend who's stuck and think about how do I become a mother to them? How do I become a father to them? How do I become a brother to them? Because every person's needs going to be different. We mm-hmm. can't sit here in this podcast and say, this is exactly how you can help your friend who's right. stuck. But we can say, if you think about how you relate to them with these three lenses and say, how can I be those three kinds of people to them? Mm-hmm. I think you can make all the difference for right. their life. I think some of the best friends I've had, have been the friends that have been the toughest on me. Those are the friends that said exactly the opposite of what I wanted to hear. Uh-huh. The ones that no matter what kind of tough situation I was in that said, I mean, brush it off, get back in, take more blows, man up, handle it. And if you get hit and thrown down again, you come back here. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw you right back in. And I hated them for it. And I was mad at them. And I would let them know how mad I was. <laughs> That's right? right. That's what you do as a brother, right? right? You're gonna, you're but, gonna... I, but I couldn't. I hated it, though. Yeah. You know, It's like, no, tell me to get out. Because I needed you to tell me to get out of that situation. But they kept telling me, nope, you're there for a reason. That's exactly where you're supposed to be. Get in there. Take a few more blows. Get back up and do it again. When your time comes to leave, we'll let you know. But right now, we're not letting you back out. Go in there. Man up. You know, and I, I hated, I would hate, I would really, I would, I would despise them for telling me that, but it was the best advice. Well, what a great gift you got. Yep. Because so many friends want to be friends of convenience. Mm-hmm. And when it gets messy and it gets hard, when words need to be spoken in somebody's life, oftentimes those around us who we think are friends are saying to themselves, boy, I sure hope he gets his life squared away. Mm-hmm. He's got so much potential that he doesn't live up to. Mm -hmm. Instead of finding ways to walk beside them, expressing unconditional love, expressing the confidence that the best is yet to come, and saying, I'm with you in the mess of it, I've got your back. That's right. And that's the most inspirational aspect to a friendship like that, you know? And just knowing that now I would say those those friends, because of those situations, are by far closer to me than when before that situation ever happened. Because they were willing to get in my face and tell me what I don't like. Exactly. But speaking of inspiration. Yeah. (laughs) Our inspirational quote today comes from Oliver Wendell Holmes, who wrote this. I find the great thing in this world is not so much where we stand as in what direction we are moving. We must sail sometimes with the wind and sometimes against it, but we must sail and not drift nor lie at anchor. You know, I like that because, well, I like sailing quotes anyway. I, I know it may not appeal so much to your generation because, <laughs> right? <laughs> it doesn't have an engine? <laughs> yeah. No, I love this quote because it, to me, what I read in this is a few things. First of all, that we're here for a purpose. And the purpose isn't just to lie in anchor it's not to drift about, mm-hmm. it's to move. Mm-hmm. It's to discover what 
relying on God is like for our future. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen when we try to make it easy for ourselves or we stop altogether yeah. and just say, well, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than just sitting around letting life live you, you know? You have all the resources and tools that you need. God's giving you everything that you need. All it takes is you using them. It might not be convenient sometimes, but you have everything that you need to take the action that you need to make the changes that you want. And all of that brings us right up to our challenge me. Indeed. Einstein said, nothing happens until something moves. So our challenge for you today is just do something. We've given you tools like changing your physical condition, like resting, changing your environment by doing simple as taking something that's disorganized and organizing it or changing your mental condition. Either way, there's any one of those things that you could do. Um, so just grab one, take it and run with it. Just do something, take action, just make a change in your life. That's the simplest way to get unstuck is taking that first simple, easy step, whatever that might be for you. So first rule of getting unstuck is to do something. Do something. Yep. <laughs> Don't be scared. So yeah, all this 30 minutes was just to say the way to get unstuck is do something. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we want you to do something. And uh, one of the ways that you might even get unstuck is just to leave us a comment on this show. Reinventure.me slash one three. You'll find our show notes, all of the conversation that we've had here, at least the highlights of it are recorded there. Leave a question or a comment there or call our show line at 612-314-5447. Want to invite you back next week because we're going to talk about that fourth thing in detail, how we can cultivate our personal vision. Until then, Armin Asadi, Larry Gates signing off and wishing you well. Never stop becoming what you should be. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Amina Sadi.